Naked ABCs, where we cover every Bare Naked Ladies song from 7 to Y. I like to think that Bare Naked Ladies is a very progressive band, especially when it comes to their causes. So I would dare to say that they wave the rainbow flag. And that's apropos because this week we will be talking about the song The Flag. The phone rings, it's early, it's 7 o'clock. He says, sorry, I woke you, but I just had to talk. And with me this week, I have Aaron. Hello. And we have a special guest. We do not have Michelle this week, but we do have a special guest. We have Tyler Boudreaux from the Fantastic Mr. Fox podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic Mr. Fox minute. It's movie by minute format i do want to say regarding the the rainbow flag do i I, i've only seen this in a video because i never saw the band while they were touring with steve but i I saw they did they they would always have a moment in their concerts where steve and ed would kiss (laughs) yes there you go and point proven granted that granted that was played for laughs in the early 2000s so i don't know how (laughs) accepting it was supposed to be but you know it they're 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 playing it loose. They how, how, they're, they're comfortable yeah. in their masculinity. The fact that they feel comfortable. How with unaccepting that. can you be if you do that? Exactly. <laughs> Regardless of whether or not it's for for humor or not. <laughs> All right, but continue. Sorry. No, that's okay. Good good aside there. Um. So, Aaron, this song was sung and written by Stephen Page. I gathered that. On what album? Uh, well, I have to tell you, Tracy, unfortunately, uh, when you sent me the link for the song, it popped uh. right up with the thumbnail for the uh, the Gordon <laughs> album cover. However, if I'm being completely honest, and I usually am, you usually this, are, yeah. this would have given me some trouble, I think, because this is not similar <clears throat> to much else that I have heard from Gordon. Uh, it's, no. This is a hard song to place. I mean, may, you know, it's just, it's a little more somber. It's a little more folksy. I mean, I guess of their albums, Gordon is one of the more folksy ones. It would have been on one of the first three, though. Yeah. Oh, it, well, certainly I had it obviously early BNL. Like, that was clear. But I wasn't sure, you know, I kind of, there's a little bit of A I was hearing in there. So, like, you know, maybe, you know, maybe you should drive. I don't know. Um, but, yes. I, I uh, kill for a late, maybe you should drive. Oh, my God. Track. Yeah. That'd be great. <laughs> B side of maybe you could drive. Ooh, so good. Yes, yes. Yeah. But but yeah. So you know, I wasn't. I I think I would have had a little trouble with it. But certainly, yes, I pegged it to the early years, and uh, we know that it's from Gordon. Uh, well, this yeah. is the song that everyone says like this isn't the this is the black sheep song of the rest of the album. Not that it's a bad song, but in that it stands out. If by black sheep you mean fantastic, <laughs> yeah, yes. I love this. Song. I personally am a big fan of black sheep and the underdog, and but like this is the song that stands out. It, it is quite album. different from the rest of the material that I've heard from it thus far. I mean, yeah, they're your acoustic songs, but there, I mean, there are also songs that are very unique on the album. Like "I Love You" is also yeah. very unique. Yeah. Yes, true that. Uh, so you want to break it down? Let's break it oh. down. <laughs> Go ahead and give it to me. Right. <laughs> you asked for this. Break down. Go ahead, give it to me. Break down. It's 
Okay. Uh, so the flag was recorded at approximately 143 beats per minute. It does uh, tend to rush and drag. It's interesting. You can kind of feel the excitement in the performers at certain parts where they have kind of crescendos and they sort of speed up a little bit along with the crescendo and then they kind of take it down a little bit and they also slow down just a little bit. It's not much. Barely perceptible, I think, unless you're like me sitting there trying to tap out the tempo and match it getting frustrated that you can't get a precise read on it. Uh, but around 143, I think it starts close to like 140, then it speeds up to like 145, then it slows back down to like 143. It settles in somewhere in the 142, 143, 144 range for most of the song. It is in 12.8, which is one of my favorite time signatures. That's what I was going to say. Mm-hmm. It is in the key of D minor, which is one of my favorite keys. As the great Nigel Tufnell once said, D minor, that one of the saddest keys of all time. <laughs> uh, or I think he said it's the saddest of all keys. Uh, and, and it has some very beautiful and somber strings, which I'm going to say, I'm going to guess that's an upright bass being played with a bow. And uh, some very dark subject matter. So needless to say, I absolutely (laughs) adore this song. (laughs) It's pretty folksy. Uh, The chord progressions are simple but unusual. They're not. They're they're simple, but they're not common. Uh, Not exactly common. It's not like one four five, right? So you've got the intro, which is D minor to A minor over D, so it's inverted, and then E minor over D. So you keep that D kind of going in the bass. You keep feeling it. It's really pressing it, saying, hey, this is a D minor. It's really announcing <laughs> You are supposed to, to be crying yeah. right now. <laughs> <laughs> Why aren't you weeping yet? Uh, so that it's basically a 1-5-2, one, 1-5-2, five, one, five, one, five, for the intro. Then we go into the verse, D minor, G, F, C, which is 1, 4, 3, uh, one, four, three 7. Uh, then the chorus, you should know that by now, D minor, D minor over C, G, F, C, D minor. We get one, four, three, seven, one. And we get a nice little loop there. Going back to, uh, we're still in the D, so we go back into the, the intro. And of course, we bounce again. Back to the verse, chorus, verse, chorus. Then we have this bridge slash outro, which we have a key change in. And it's a very a pronounced. Bridge to nowhere. It's, a, it's a bridge to somewhere in this case. It's a bridge to escape from an abusive relationship. <laughs> but um, uh, we'll wait for the, for the lyrics for that. But uh, the, in the in the bridge slash outro, we have a key change to E minor, and it's wonderful because we go a whole step up. Plus, we go from minor to major, so it's very uplifting. You almost feel the beams of light coming down. It's like it's going to be okay. Aaron, it can is... I ask you a quick question? Yes, please. Is is that what is known as a Picardy third? Oh my goodness, I think... Uh, well, a Picardy third... Oh man, now you're making me tax my brain for, for music school. But a Picardy third is... If this were a Picardy third, it would have ended in D major. A Picardy third is when you come back to the original tonic chord, but it, when you hear the... Uh, instead of having a, a minor third in the chord, if it's a minor key, it would be a major third, which turns it into a minor ver- uh, a major version of the same chord but we're, what oh. we're hearing is essentially Picardy third uh shifted up a, a whole step so you were absolutely right in identifying more or less that that very dramatic shift from minor to major so slam dunk <laughs> i say judges yes <laughs> i know it's when you go from minor to major at the end of yeah, the song but i don't know they, when well they're jumping up a, a whole step which would be like a, a major second but it's weird because it's not like it's not they're, they're not going to like a relative major or anything. They really it was a very pronounced and sudden. There was like no transition there. It was like you hit a brick wall or you made it out of the forest. 
and just suddenly we're going from uh, from minor to major, from D minor. Made to it major. out of the forest. Nice, nice, uh, nice little word. Well, that was there. the imagery that I <laughs> got. Right. I mean, so I mean, there's very there's a little wonderful bit of programmatic storytelling in the music that goes hand in hand with the lyrics, uh, which you know I love. I'm a fan of. I've talked about that before, and uh, which I've seen from the band uh, countless times now, or heard from, I should say. So we have A for the intro, B for the verse, C for the chorus. So it's A B C A B C B C D. So you have kind of a abgada abgada bed. <laughs> it sounds like Forky Pig. That's all, folks. Uh, it's a classic folk song structure, which has these kind of repeating two sections back and forth with the occasional instrumental interlude. The Bob Dylan connection seems obvious, but honestly, I would probably be faster to compare this to Working Class Hero by John Lennon. Um, and I hear a little bit of Stairway to Heaven in the more Baroque parts, especially the bridge uh, slash outro with all the lovely kind of harmonics work on the guitar and stuff like that. Um, I like that the drums come in at the end and they have this sort of mock patriotic marching band snare drum roll. It's very fitting thematically. Uh, overall, I really love this song. I'm glad that I could come back for this song. It's been missing uh, being able to talk to you guys about this stuff. And this is a really great one too to land on. So happy to be here. That's my take. That's Aaron's hot take. <laughs> I, yeah, I missed you too, Aaron. Uh, I missed you, Tyler. It's good to have you on the show again. <laughs> Thank you. I, I'm sorry if I, I... I'm anticipating me just like telling a bunch of jokes during this very serious song. <laughs> I mean, as long... <laughs> as long as they're not like, take my wife, That's please. That's okay. Last week we talked a lot about that as well. <laughs> take my abusive partner, please. <laughs> oh, tasteful jokes. Yes, tasteful. Ta- Nothing, yes. <laughs> only the most tasteful of jokes. Well, that's better than what B&L did with Fight the Power. So, well, Hey, now we actually, can only step up I, from we, there. So, uh, we, I have to listen we, to we, that and give it a rating. Wait, so did you record that last week? Yes. So, yeah, I miss Fight the Power. Now, did they cover uh, en- uh, 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 Public Enemy? <laughs> no, did they, they really? Did. I was joking. Oh, my God. No, it's on the like, four discs. I want to hear that. It's on the it's on the oh, Conehead soundtrack. You the, I sent you the licks. At some point, you're gonna have to rate I it really, anyway. So <laughs> I, 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 I know that I'm like the whitest person ever, but I love Public Enemy. So like, this is gonna be really interesting. <laughs> I'm a big Do the Right Thing fan, so yeah, Fight the Power got it any day for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I mean, granted, I, I I go back and forth. I start, sorry for backtracking, but I, I I thought a lot about this at one point, and I, I go back and forth on the cultural appropriation thing because it, it is one yeah. thing to like make a joke out of such an important song but i think they do it so well and i think there's an earnestness to it there's a clear res- well i haven't heard i haven't heard the song yet so i guess i can't weigh in on this but my my guess from <laughs> knowing bnl like i do i would i would assume they have a clear respect for the artistry and i would assume that there's yeah there's got to be a, an, an amount of uh of uh serious uh, enthusiasm and uh, legitimate uh, like admiration for for that band because I love that band. I love Public Enemy, so I, I can imagine they do too. Because they are like me, are white and nerdy and, and Canadian. <laughs> hey, we said we were not going to do the Weird Al references today. Uh, That's right. <laughs> it's unavoidable, man. <laughs> I'm going to get us back on track to talking about the flag, which is a very yeah, exactly very serious song. Yeah, serious. Oh, it's a, it's extreme. This is I would dare say. Their most serious song. Dare, dare. <laughs> All their other songs the blazing saddles prior to this, <laughs> yes, or even following this. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's like herding cats, isn't it, Tracy? 
This way. No, no. Oh. You can't get Tyler and me in a, in a virtual room together and not expect to geek out like that. You just broke the fourth wall. Now people don't now people don't realize that we're all in one room oh together. Oh my god, I'm the Deadpool of the bare naked ABCs. <laughs> no, that would be Bobby. Bobby is totally Deadpool. I don't know what Bobby is. Come back, Bobby. We miss, <laughs> we you. miss you, Bobby. Yeah, we really right, Tracy, Everyone misses what? Deadpool. Yeah. Tracy, what were you saying Back about the song? <laughs> this is <laughs> kind of apropos. This song is the most serious mm. of, I would say, all the Bare Naked Ladies songs it's out there. We're sitting here making a lot of jokes, but it's, it really is. Like, before songs and after this, this is, I would easily say, their most serious song. Um, thus, my lighting for tonight was chosen. Um <laughs> I, I, people can't see it, but I, I am encased in darkness today with just a little bit of light to to make of the computer. Tracy stuff, is to like make it uh, fit. You're like high school slash early college years me. Hello, darkness, my old friend. <laughs> Nobody understands me. I am surrounded by darkness. <laughs> this is the the creep of yeah. the podcast. Um, <laughs> I am the creep of the podcast, anyways. But this is the the, the song. Of the podcast. Now we're, yeah, now we're going to Radiohead. If you really want to get no, off topic, please mention Radiohead, Radiohead to me. I'll just isn't there, isn't there a Lonely Island track called The Creep? The Creep. <laughs> Do the Creep. Yeah. But Wait, can I, can I counter argument? A subject. Um, well, I'll, I'll, let, I'll pull us back and I'll let us go away in a minute again. But uh, this is a very serious subject. It's about to. Like, so the song, for those who don't realize. Oh, actually, you know what? Stop right there. Let's, let's play the first verse. Like that'll pretty much sum it up right there. Well, exactly. I know last night, remember when I tried to choke you? I didn't mean it. I was drunk. It was only a joke. You. But before we do that, I want to make sure that we point out one of the most interesting choices that they make on this song. Other than this, is almost all Jim. Like the only yeah. thing you really can Mostly hear guitar. for the most of the song is Jim. One of the interesting choices that they make with this song, though, is to have Andy playing suitcase. That that's his instrument. For and the we're song. back to Weird Al. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> we're going from accordion case to suitcase. A pretty close call there. <laughs> um, so that's the thumping you're hearing. But it's an interesting choice to make. That's the thumping you're hearing. Is this is the suitcase? Yes. Interesting. Yeah, I don't even yeah. know what you're talking about. I don't even remember that. So. There's like very, very light percussion throughout the song. It's almost like a heartbeat. And I will try to find a yeah. point of it here and, and cut it in right here. That's cool. That's cool. I like that. I See, that's that's the kind of musical innovation that I love. Uh, that kind of There are bands I know that have like thrown a snare drum down the stairs and recorded a following and used it as a sample. Like I'm not advocating the destruction of musical instruments, okay, but... Uh, I just love In this song, it would have been apropos. <laughs> it would have. <laughs> and it's the sort of folksy thing that you would see, like, True. classic folk musician True. doing. Yeah. But interesting, like, it's that thing again, like, okay, so we have this relationship that we're going to mm. get to in a few minutes. Using a suitcase in this song is, once again, extremely programmatic. Get the road, Jack. Mm. Get the road, Jack. Don't you come back no more. And I don't think that that was accidental. They do this stuff on purpose. No, they are so... They are the Stanley Kubrick of eclectic, nerdy, folk, rock, jazz, fusion-influenced, weird <laughs> music. I think you just perfectly <laughs> described B&L. For once, we got it. <laughs> okay, we're done. Our job here is done. 
Pack up the suitcase. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I before we move on to lyrics, the other thing I want to really point out is the beautiful harmonies at the end. I love of those the song. Yeah. Yeah. Where they're just I'll post them in here. They are just gorgeous, and they just help you feel like you're floating away. Again, there's that angelic feel. It's like you can feel the beams of sun from the heavens, from the clouds coming through. It's, uh, I don't know, yeah, there's just, it feels very warm and comforting. It's like you're safe now, everything's okay. Uh, out of the woods, like I said. It's, uh, it's, and it's a good moment to hear Ed's voice in the song. Yeah, exactly. Which is so funny, because... Ed is like that tempering softness uh, to, to kind of clash with, with Steven's just like kind of jagged, uh, frenetic <laughs> energy and, and, and uncontrolled emotional outbursts. So, yeah, I think that's actually really appropriate. I wish, I wish Michelle were here to talk about this. I'm sure she would have something to say about it. Well, why don't we put in her thoughts right now? Oh! Whoa! <laughs> oh, sorry, <guys. laughs> serious um <laughs> hi guys this is michelle with my thoughts on the flag by bnl from gordon i love this song this is the actual kind of storytelling in steven's way of expressing sorrow that i am absolutely 100 percent here for i think tracy in the past you have mentioned that you don't like the placement of the flag on the album I might be remembering that wrong, but I just, I, that did occur to me while I was listening to this today. Um, first of all, I want to say the strings in the song are gorgeous and I almost feel like the setup of the song is, it's not just Steven singing. It feels like it's a duet between Steven and the strings. And I just think it's gorgeous. I also love the beautiful harmonic vocals at the end. You know, again, it's that velvety vocal styling that BNL is so good with. So I've got to love that. I thought it was interesting when they were talking about the Ravens and the ribbons. Um, and I was looking up the significance of ribbon of Ravens and for the Vikings, the ravens were a symbol of war, so I thought that was interesting. But I think the song tells a really interesting story. You know, another unhappy relationship of just things not working. Um, and, and it's just such an emotive piece. I really love it. And I'm giving it a 4.5. I know, shocking. But I love it. I just... This is what I want from BNL. The storytelling, the really moving vocals, um, and Steven. So there's that. I hope you all are having a great time. Talk to you soon. So I do want to point out before we go along too far, this song was on the Bare Naked Recess. It was on Variety Recordings, which is a promo tape that was only sent out to radio stations. Good luck finding that place as that is a very difficult CD slash tape to find. And then, of course, Gordon. It's it, The interesting thing is they didn't play this song on Yellow Tape. They have a, kind of everything leading up until Gordon, and then they drop it off Yellow Tape just before they go to South by Southwest. 
But also the other thing that's really neat to know is this is the song that convinced the producer, Voyevoda, to work with them. He said, it made me realize that they had this great potential. There was definitely some wisdom in their young, younger years. Like the best Shakespeare, they liked to surf that line between comedy and tragedy. So he had this per- he had this person bring them into the studio to record background sounds on this week's appearance of the week. And while they didn't record it that week, so then they recorded it, and they also then appeared on the Reostatic song um, California Dreamline for Whale Music. And they're a band that became very important to them. Also, Kevin Hearn was, they had Kevin Hearn in common. He came in later on with the Rio Statics and then came over to join them later on. This is also where the band met Neil Peart, who was also making an appearance on the Rio Statics album. Voyevoda knew that BNL was it because while this was their idol, they were just, Neil Peart was their idol. And even though they were kind of faced up with their idol and trying to play along next to their idol, they were totally unfazed by it and, as he said, had a tone of respectful admiration toward an accomplished peer. So he's like, those two things in coming in to record with him completely bought his admiration. And so it was out of this song that Gordon even happens. That's a really good story. Yeah. I definitely appreciate the idea of like Bare Naked Ladies as like uh, the duality between serious and comedic because so often you'll like people will talk about bare naked ladies and the discourse is always like oh they're just kind of like a joke band and you try to be like no they're actually really good and really talented and some of their songs aren't just jokes <laughs> well one person put it really well on on the youtube page about this song they had a friend of theirs that they thought was that thought bnl was really stupid and so he they sent this song to that friend and yeah. he's like that is beautiful and it just made him completely reconsider his whole stance on the band well it's interesting this see again i wish that michelle were here because this is where i want to bring up another postcard because i can <laughs> i can enjoy i rated another postcard higher than anyone else on this podcast and i am notoriously yeah. <laughs> not generous with my with my ratings. i can enjoy another postcard for what it is but if someone only heard that song and just made the assumption that that was what BNL was, they would be sadly mistaken and they would be missing out on such a depth and breadth of, of subject material and everything. And, and to the point of, hey, it's not all just joke songs, a lot of times there's a lot of black humor that is used to deal with very serious issues. So it's not just one or the other. It's like there's a serious topic that is raised in a, in a somewhat humorous way. And that's how a lot of us deal with that kind of stuff. And I think mm-hmm. well, yeah, hearing people do that is, is somewhat uh, motivating. Sorry, go ahead, Tom. Isn't, well, isn't Pinch Me like about depression? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So why don't we talk a little bit about the lyrics of this song, the, and then we'll get to the meaning of the song. Let's break down the lyrics of it itself first, though. For people who don't know, this song is about domestic abuse, about a, about a violent, uh, abusive relationship. Uh, it's assumed and i think it's pretty accurate um it's taken from the, the point of view of the woman who's in an abusive relationship um and they it, it follows a number of different stages this is a person who keeps leaving and as in many uh, domestic abuse situations leaving the relationship coming back to the relationship and then the cycle continues 
and it describes it very poetically. I would say this is this is a perfect example of Steve being poetic. Um, he's not coming at this straight on. He's he's leaving things between the lines that you're kind of reading, but at the same time, he's hitting it right on the nail. He's not going to let you not know what's going on in the song, but at the same time, he's making sure that that you're reading your own relationships into this if you're in these types of relationships or you know people that are. And, and most of us know someone, if, if we haven't been through this type of relationship, that has been in this relationship. Um, and so we can put ourselves into this picture, and it's what makes it so vibrant. I think one of the most interesting lines that points this out is the next night he's over and over and under. And so, like, he's not he's not in any way, shape, or form going to say, hey, they're having sex. But it's, he's yeah. going to let the audience Great. know that's Great. what's happening. Like, they've gotten back together. This person beat his girlfriend, and now they're back together again. And in that one line, he ties it all back together. It's a really poetic way of kind of putting that in there and in a tongue-in-cheek kind of way, but not in a, like, laugh-ha-ha. Ha. Well, and the other thing is the continuation of that verse is, and after he's oh. finished, she lies there and wonders just why does she need him and why does she stay here? And then in the darkness, she'll quietly say, Dear, you've never really known that when the white flag is blown, no one, no one, no one has won the war. Which is more or less her saying, look, I don't really love you. I just kind of am afraid what will happen if I really finally leave you for good. And she's surrendering. She's waving the white flag. It doesn't mean he's won her. It doesn't mean he has her heart or her love. It just means she's you know, afraid to, to actually cut that connection. Uh, By the way, very, very... He paints a picture of how much of a jerk this guy is yeah. with that next line. Yeah. And after he's finished, yeah. not after they're finished, <laughs> that, after that's pretty he's clear. finished. That, that was not for like, her. Yeah. That was, <laughs> that, wasn't a, that was a one-way one way street there. He put it in just one word. He, he mm-hmm. kind of like highlighted what this guy is like. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's very, but, it paints a very vivid uh, image and it's, it's very heartbreaking. It is. And I think, Another line I really love in this, and then I'm going to pass it over to Tyler because I know I'm, I'm kind of monopolizing, but I really do love this song. They're complicated people mm-hmm. leading complicated lives, and he complicates their problems by telling Telling complicated, complicated lies. lies. Yeah. I think that Stephen even knew coming into this, like people are going to simplify this. People are going yeah. to say, oh, he's the bad guy. Oh, she's the good guy. Oh, why doesn't she just run away? Why isn't she still in this room? It's complicated. It's never that Unfortunately, easy. Unfortunately, yeah. People do say that kind of thing. Like, and I love it how in that one that one little... It's not one, it's one line, but it's not one line. That he kind of like gets people to back off and, and realize that these are... This is... Yeah, it's a song, but it's real life people. And there's a reason that they keep returning to these relationships. And we have to be recognizing of that and empathetic toward the, to the people that are doing this. Well, on the one hand, he's, he says they're complicated people leading complicated lives. lives. But on the other hand, like, it's clear that the, the man in the relationship is making things worse and, like, the aggressor because yeah. he's, the one, he's the one telling the lies that are just making things worse and making things confusing for everyone around them. Oh, yeah. 
Well, and that's what happens in abusive relationships. Like yeah. the the abuser will always tell lies to complicate things. Oh well, it, they'll either throw it back on the person, or they'll say that they're sorry and that they've made changes and that they understand what they're doing wrong now. They will always complicate things and and reinvest the person in the relationship. And in that one line, he has once again surmised summarized what an abusive relationship kind of looks like. Can we can we break down this this flag thing? It's the title of the song, and it definitely it always it always perplexes me a little bit more than I, I think it should. Uh, as a sort of like a, a person who studies literature and should have <laughs> somewhat of an ability to understand <laughs> metaphor. You are not the only person that is confused by the by the flag metaphor. I would say that a lot of people, if not most of the community that that listens to the song, has the same difficulty. Well, I, I, part of the confusing thing is that the going from the checkered flag to the white flag. I don't really the uh, the checkered flag. I totally don't understand the the white flag and the no one has won the war. That kind of makes sense, as Aaron says. Like when someone gives up, that doesn't mean the other person is necessarily won. That just means that one person has given up. Yes, and I think that's kind of an interesting image, and it's very and again, it's very poetic the use of the figurative language. But I. I I don't. I don't really know what the the checkered flag is. And we get the checkered flag. There's three verses. The checkered flag is yeah. the first verse. And then the white flag is the second two. Well, yes. so uh, the checkered flag. Obviously, they have it in, in like car racing, so Formula One, or stock car racing, or whatever. The checkered flag is what comes down when the 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 final lap has been crossed and the the first car crossed the finish line. They win because they cross the checkered flag. Uh, so what you know they're saying, no one has won the race. So I think in this case. Uh, you know, I'm not sure exactly where the connection is to the race, but, you know, he's. this is in response to him calling her up at night saying, I'm sorry I choked you last night. I didn't mean it. I was drunk. Um, so I don't know if this is like uh, a, a race to backtrack and try and apologize or to try and uh, downplay what's occurred. I'm not sure. But I think it's basically the the woman saying, acknowledging, like, this. this is not a real... You know, I, I, I don't acknowledge your apology as being anything real. It's not a real checkered flag here. It's not a real victory. Uh, that's what I'm drawing from it. But I, I don't know. I would love to ask the band about it. Come on, guys. <laughs> well, <laughs> Steven, I don't think, wants to answer the, too yeah. much about this song because he likes to keep it vague. He wants people to put his their own perspective into this, as he said in the interview, um, which I will, I will post a part of the interview later on in here when we get to that part to, to kind of come back to this because we did I did talk to him about it when this when I was talking with him last year. Here's my read on it. I think the problem that comes with people when they're trying to break down the flag metaphor is they're taking it as a single line and you have to take it in the context of the whole paragraph. So we have this war metaphor that's kind of been going on for the woman. So whenever it's the woman's perspective, it's a war. It's a battle. It is, yep. it is people fighting and no one ever wins. So it's the white flag. But the first paragraph isn't the woman. Or it's the woman's perspective, but it's the man talking. So what we have is he says, I woke you and I had, but I just had to talk. You know, last night, remember when I tried to choke you? I didn't mean it. I was drunk. It was only a joke. You should know that by now, when the checkered flag comes down, no one has won the race. So he, you know, obviously using that male perspective, he's using 
car racing as his metaphor because he doesn't see it as a battle. He doesn't see it as a fight. He, he doesn't want to draw the relationship into that type of thing. It's a who won type of situation. Um, so he's using a race metaphor where no one gets That's hurt. That's his way of saying... Wait, he, wait, would you say that he's playing the race card? Oh, <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. Bad tape, bad tape. Okay, but no. In all he's, seriousness, he's I think apologizing. you're 100 correct here. He that's his, that's the the checkered flag. No one's won the race. That's his way of saying let's not play the blame game. You know, exactly. oh, maybe I he choked he's... you last night when I was drunk. Many air quotes were being done. Not a big deal. I wish Bobby were here. <laughs> this is this is Bobby territory right now. I'm, I'm just playing Bobby. Not only is he, but yeah, that's. I apologizing, agree. but he's half-hearted apologizing and gaslighting her at the same time, mm-hmm. making her sound like in the way yeah. that he's choosing these words. And Stephen does an amazing job here with this. I don't know if he observed this relationship somewhere along the way, or just like had great intuition about what these relationships tend to look like. But this is what people in those relationships tend to do. It's not just a apology; it's an apology, half-hearted apology, and making the per- the abused person sound like they're insane for feeling hurt that they were abused uh which is what he's doing he's giving her this half-hearted apology and then saying i was drunk it's it was only a joke and you should know that ending this relationship doesn't help either one of us so don't end it which is what the checkered flag metaphor i think comes down to he's trying to convince her to come back into the relationship and she does next paragraph we're back into her yeah. re-entering the relationship. I, no, I think that's quite astute. But I have to agree with you, Tyler. Like for that, the the flag metaphor for probably a good ten years, like really confused me. It was difficult for me to wrap it around. And you know, obviously, I've had a lot of years to kind of think about this song. Um, <laughs> so you know, we're, we're approaching thirty years at this point of listening to this song, and you know, I've had time to think about it. And it, yeah, it, it makes more sense as time has gone on. And as I said last episode, if you remember, I, I don't I, I listen to the lyrics as hints on how to interpret the song, but I, I very rarely think deeply about what lyrics mean. So a song like this, I kind of just I, I try to get the vibe of how the, the song makes me feel overall. But going back, I think the ultimate purpose of the, the flag metaphor would be the end of the song where we get the ribbons of the flag. So presumably that the flag has been cut up into ribbons and is blowing away in the wind. So my question to you is one that goes out to the community. And I want everyone to kind of think of this before I post Stephen's interpretation of what this ending means. The ending of the song is very um, quixotic. And I think that he, and, and he states that he meant it to be that way. He wants people to read into it what they read into it and to have their own take coming out of it. What is your take on how this relationship ends? Yeah, it certainly does end. It's not a doubt that it ends. That's what the tearing up of the flag is. What is your take on how it ends? Originally, I was thinking she finally cut the connection, you know, severed that tie and was free. Uh, but uh, now that you bring it up, <laughs> I'm wondering if maybe she's free because she's no longer uh, living in this world. <laughs> Because they certainly do mention angels and cop cars and such. So, I don't know. That's uh, <laughs> Now it's got me thinking, wow, that's a pretty really dark turn. Now, it does remind me 
of one of uh, actually not one of my my actual film of all time brazil in which case the happy ending is the main character spoiler alert uh goes insane and they can't mm. touch him or torture him anymore yeah i know if you haven't gotten around to watching brazil yet kids 40 years later you really should <laughs> because it's the best movie ever made <laughs> yeah yeah it is it's uh it's fantastic that's a terry gilliam flick was yes. it <laughs> His his first flick. Well, non non Python, definitely. I thought Time yeah. Bandits was his first non Python flick. Oh, you might be but, right. Uh, I, uh, I don't know uh, if Time Bandits or I will say it's my favorite of his. You guys might not know this, but all Terry Gilliam movies are called flicks, just like how Spike oh, Lee Spike calls Lee all joint? of his movies joints. Terry Gilliam flick. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> he always flicks the celluloid and gives it a little kiss before he sends it out. <laughs> He's, anyways, my favorite movie of all time. It reminds me of that. It's, it's the escape, but not in the way that you would like, traditionally think of it. It's, it's, a, it's a sort of a pyrrhic victory or sort of a moral victory. Um, right. Either way, she he can no longer touch her. I hope it's because she's living in Ontario somewhere <laughs> and she moves far away. Uh, but I don't know. What do, what do you say, Tyler? I mean, I'm I'm want to say that she's alive although the uh the lyrics there goes the raven there goes the ribbons there goes the raven there goes the ribbon uh not entirely uh on the positive side well but, no, man, a, sometimes you see just see a raven flying by it's not a bad omen yeah you know so i was gonna say let's break down like what these represent like ravens in most oh, past cultures it, right ravens are totally good news <laughs> <laughs> Most yeah. <laughs> ravens in past cultures and and um, in Native American cultures, um, Egyptian, etc., mm. ravens were the go-between bird between life and death, or the crows if you're if you're a god. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no blackbirds. And if you're a Game of Thrones fans, usually the news that the raven brings is not good news. <laughs> so there's that as well. <laughs> Now I just want a Game of Thrones scene. Now the more I'm talking myself out of a happy ending here. Thanks a lot, guys. Sorry, I want a sorry. Game of Thrones scene where someone gets a great, great news from a raven. Oh, hey, look at that! I, I've won the lottery. <laughs> It'll be an O. Henry thing. You have the raven coming in. Everyone's Hodor wins the lottery and retires. Hodor's like Hodor. Chuck's brand just walks off. I'm gonna buy myself a castle. <laughs> no, it's it's interesting because anyway. bluebirds are, are are associated with freedom. Partridges are associated with freedom. Doves are peace. So it's interesting. Like so, we have the angel, which represents divine. We have the steeple, which represents humanity. So we have the eagle, which represents soaring and usually freedom. So is she free from the relationship, or is she free from the relationship because she's no longer with us? Does he kill her? It's, I would say, deliberately open-ended. And that was Stephen's. So I'm going to post in Stephen's response to my question about what the end of the song really means right here. Going back really quickly to Gordon, on The Flag, one of the most serious and somber songs of the album, which I interpret to be about an abusive relationship. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, that's right. Did the woman or even the man in the song die at the end? And can you tell us more about the symbolism? So you have the forest, bluebird, steeple, etc. She's escaping. She's got. She's gotten on a train and she's she's leaving. 
So, you know, whatever the flag, the, the, the white flag of surrender to this guy, uh, the checkered flag, or anything, it all gets shredded because it, it, it's gone. She's leaving that behind. So to me, it was always considered, I, I imagine it to be, but she's leaving with her future unknown, but hopeful. Hmm. That's a much more hopeful take than the other take that people have said online. That's how I imagine it at least, but it's certainly supposed to be, it is definitely impressionistic. It's not definitive, and, and that's, that's the kind of thing where sometimes I, I, I worry about giving away my intent because I like it when people get something else out of it, and that's how they hear it. You know, that's, uh, that's, I want that to be my gift to them, not, mm. not my gospel truth, you know? Well, would you like me to cut that last question out then? Oh, no, it's fine. I, I don't mind if you know. I'm just telling you like that, that it is a hard, hard thing to decide whether or not to answer those kinds of things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but as we know, Stephen. So Stephen was intentionally vague about this, but the relationship has ended. the The ribbons of the flag are the relationship being torn up. It's tattered. It's gone. It's flying away. His initial intention with the song, when he wrote it, was that we is that she she's escaping actually physically escaping this relationship thus the go train for people who don't know what a go train is a go train stands for government of ontario train so it's a, a government sponsored train that that runs in southern ontario hey i called it ontario <laughs> <laughs> so that's what the go train is for um but as he said in the in the interview it's however you take this maybe she does die maybe he dies one of maybe she kills him to get out of the relationship maybe he kills her to get out of the relationship it's what you take out of the song is what he wants you to take maybe maybe this song is gone girl yeah it could be that's a wow that's a hot take right there <laughs> tyler's hot take. Uh, uh, <laughs> spoilers for Gone Girl. Uh, skip ahead thirty seconds, but the plot of Gone plot of Gone Girl is that she fakes her own death. So yeah, she gaslights him. She reverse abuses. Reverse abuses him. She just abuses him. <laughs> See, I've never seen the movie, but now I love that take. Now I'm not going to get watch. I won't. I probably won't, won't watch Gone Girl. Should be. That's interesting. I like that. I, that's if, interesting if you ever want to see Neil Patrick Harris get murdered, sorry, an additional spoiler. I do. Then <laughs> 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 you should watch God Girl. Just because I want to see his death scene. Who wants to see Neil Patrick Harris get murdered? You want to see Doogie Howser die? You monster. <laughs> Just because I want to see his death scene. I want to see what he does. Does he go all Pee Wee Herman on it? I mean, we didn't. What, does Pee Wee Herman die in any movies? Oh. I'm confused. Oh, if you have not yet seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, <laughs> that was a great impression, Aaron. Oh, oh, the spleen. <laughs> yes, you must watch the the movie anyway. Buffy the Vampire Slayer if you. Have oh, not. that's right. I forgot he was in that. Paul Rubens. Oh, the the film version. Oh, Paul Paul Rubens is does that has the best death scene of all time what about what about in peewee's big adventure when he's holding the snakes and he just goes <laughs> ah! and falls over <laughs> that's how i want to go i'll just say after kingdom of the crystal skull can we just have 
Paul Rubin playing Indiana Jones and going, Snakes, why did it have to be snakes? <laughs> I want him as the sidekick, just running along next to Indiana. Oh he my the god, comic, please make this happen. He's the comic relief thrill of the whole thing. Listen, Steven Spielberg, we know you listen. Come on the show and tell us you're going to make this happen. <laughs> I want to see that not only... Paging Dr. Jones. <laughs> Dr. Jones. <laughs> and bring back Short Round, okay? Look, there's no way the short that Jonathan K. Kwan can be uh, can be any worse than the the Shia LaBeouf. So, oh, so that's forth. true. We need we need to redeem the short round character. <laughs> yeah, he comes back. He's can a badass martial artist. He like saved Indy's butt a bunch of times. You know. No, can he just be like a normal guy that speaks like normal English? It's like, hello, Doctor Jones. It is nice to meet you. And Indiana Jones thinks that he's gonna do karate. That's what I'm saying. He's learned. It's it's been like thirty years. It's he's like he speaks English better than he he speaks right. Listen, I love this idea. Short round comes back. He speaks better English than Indy. Indy still says nuclear. He's like uh, actually Dr. Jones is nuclear. <laughs> He's, he went to Oxford. He's got an English accent. We, I don't we've know. We've now got our next <laughs> project to write. But he's there. <laughs> I love it. Have you guys you guys familiar with the podcast Story Break? I am not. No. It's a uh, these three writers uh, and they they take an hour and then they just they try to come up with the idea for the movie. So they'll it'll be random things. So they did uh, like Mr. Clean was an episode. <laughs> Mr. Clean, the movie. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like we just we just did it for what were we talking about? Indiana Jones. In yeah, short round the movie. Yeah, short round grown up. Short round. Short round and Indiana Jones. Like short round gets top billing. It's like short round. I would see that movie. So speak, speaking of bringing it around. <laughs> Aaron literally just did a spit take. His poor computer. <laughs> Charging you for my monitor. <laughs> so what are while well, Aaron's charging me, we're gonna rate this song. And I'm gonna Venmo because you. the hero of the song is the go train, because it helps her escape this relationship. It is. I'm gonna ask us how many go trains how many go we trains? give this song, zero to five. And I don't know, Tyler, do you feel comfortable starting or should I hand it over to Aaron first? Yeah, hand it over to Aaron, because I'm real bad at this. I... <laughs> I'm going to hand it over to Aaron. Aaron, how many Go Trains do you give this song? Ooh, man. It's definitely in the fours, at least. It is. got to compare this. Like, this is tough. Uh, I mean, Alternative Girlfriend is really, 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 really good. I rated that a 4.5. Do I like this better? Do I like it better than Break Your Heart? Ooh. Do I like it better than Conventioneers? I don't think so, but it's... Why right up there? Uh, I'm gonna say 4.45. It is very, very good. I love this song. I don't even like it. I love it. It's in my favorites. It's not quite. I don't know. I just there. There's some other songs that I prefer to it. If I was gonna be like, this is a go-to BNL song, but this is definitely one in the arsenal to show people like, hey, what's BNL all about? And to give them a nice kind of broad picture with a bunch of different kinds of songs, this is definitely going in that quiver. Nice. So I, I would say 4.45 uh, Go Train from me. All right. Do you feel comfortable going next or should I take it? Yeah, yeah. I was going to give it like a, like a, like a 4. 4.0. Right. 4.0. Um, <laughs> I mean... It's, I mean, that's, it's a good solid 4. Like, darn, I gave Box Set a 4. I... 
Forza is a good song. Like it's way above. Yeah, I think I think where I where I fall on it is it's a great song, but it's not a song I'm listening to a lot. It's a song I'm skipping when I'm going through the soundtrack to get to to get to crazy sooner if I want. It's not a happy good time (laughs) song. It's not a song that you turn on. He's like, ah, yeah, definitely. But it is a very powerful and emotionally affecting song. So I mean, yeah, that's why I'm trying to I'm trying to take that into account. Like I said, I can rate another postcard quite high. And then these are, I think this is kind of like the two polar opposite ends of the spectrum. You have another postcard on one extreme, and you have the flag on the other. And they're both very, very good songs. One is extremely fun and catchy and poppy. The other one is like really sad and affecting, but darn, it's beautiful and darn, it's well. Oh, yeah. And to kind of you, and to kind of use a point that Aaron made, uh, if I was gonna. I did this recently. If I'm going to show someone like the really proficient, uh, serious side of Baronic Ladies, I'm going to play Break Your Heart. Ooh, and if, that's true. And if I, and if I want to play like the most serious quote unquote song, I, it's probably this song, but also like you could go tonight is the night I fell asleep at the wheel. Like that, that would be a fun one to go to, too. That'd be a fun, serious song. So, I mean, yeah. I, no, I think a four is yeah. very no, respectful. I think that's, that's totally cool. That 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 bass work is solid. I'll give him that. Oh, oh yeah, I love the bow on the bass. Listen to the listen to the the, the live track from the uh, everywhere to play everywhere for everyone. Those because those are all on Spotify, and uh, I like that one too. Oh, all right. So this song for me has been extremely difficult. Um, I have been wrestling with this all week, and here is my big conundrum. I don't listen to this song often, but this is one of those songs that if someone told me to pick out 10 songs that give the span of Bare Naked Ladies, this would be one of those songs. Like this, this shows their spectrum and their abilities. And I, I guess the other part of this is I love this song because it makes me or hate the man in it. And feel extreme empathy for the woman that's in it. And want to run out and save her. And help her. And and a song that can can make you feel those types of feelings. And matter of fact, almost to the point yeah. that I'm like, I can't... At the end of the song, I'm almost like, oh, I can't listen to this song anymore. Because it's so... It's, it's dragging me down. And then like the freedom and the release and, and her escaping makes me feel better. A song that can make me feel that kind of deep feeling with just it takes you on an emotional journey yeah. oh it does if a song can do that would you say tracy if a song can do that especially to this level um and i think the so the other piece that i want to add in here is gordon was my introduction to bare naked ladies it's the album that cemented who they were to me it, you know my friend shauna in college uh just in my graduate school years she was busy getting ready for a gig and so she's like you know what i have to go get ready here let me pop in this album you've never heard anything like it before and damn it she was right i'd never heard anything like gordon before um starting with hello city it grabbed me right off the bat this song (laughs) well then it like we'll get to hello city i have another song that down the road like wow it's Um, happy hour again but this song, like, you're riding this emotional journey throughout the whole album, and then you hit this song, and it is so emotional and depressing, and it brings you through this whole cavalcade and direction and roller coaster. 
And then you follow into it with crazy. I think if this finished the album, it would have killed me. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. like this leading into crazy was just like it, it helped release that serotonin, made me feel good again and helped me feel amazing with crazy. It was what I needed on this album and I didn't know I needed it. And when I heard it, it cemented where Gordon lies in my pantheon of albums where Gordon is definitely in my top five albums of all time to listen to. And this is one of those songs that did it for me, even though I don't listen to it often, unless I'm in a really depressed state. Um, May I make a strange analogy? Go ahead. You know that I went to Japan a couple of years yes. ago. And when I went there, I went to Kyoto. I went to the old geisha district in Gion. went to a traditional uh, house of Maiko and Geiko. And they put on this amazing show and danced and sang for us. We played drinking games with them. Uh, and they served us this incredible, like, seven-course traditional Japanese meal. And it had raw conger eel and escargot and all this stuff that I normally do not eat. I'm a meat and potatoes kind of guy, <laughs> needless to say. And here's the thing. It's not like since then I've been like, oh, man, I got to get some conger eel. Uh and I didn't, it wasn't something that I was prepared for in a lot of ways. And I wasn't even sure at the time that I would enjoy it. But it was a very unique experience. And it was very moving and it was full of culture. And I was so glad that I did that. Not something I'm rushing back to do again anytime <laughs> soon. But I'm so glad that I did it. So I feel like that's similar with this song. It's not something you're seeking out all the time. But wow, it was very emotionally moving and powerful. And it was an experience that you, you are very glad to have had. Would that be that, correct? That would explain. Yeah, that expresses it very well. So, for all those reasons, I have to give it a five. <laughs> Ooh. So Tyler is drinking the haterade tonight, <laughs> <laughs> and he's not even really hating on it. I was so going to say, considering a four is a hater rate, <laughs> that's, that's not really. That's pretty good. I'd say it's just a song that it, a it's never stuck out to me in a way where, like, if we were talking, am, am I the only one? Boom! Like that would have stuck out to me in a di in a way that it has to Tracy. Yeah, I think that's why I didn't give it a five, but it is very good. I'm coming to this with with you know nostalgia glasses on because this is one of those songs that really brought me to the band and really formed me in a lot of ways. Um, not that I'm I'm abusive. Um, <laughs> I would hope did not form me in I that way. Hey um, Tracy, I always saw you as the woman in this scenario. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> what I'm saying is not an abuser. Well, that's good. But just the one that sticks around for uh, it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Aww. Aww. Um, Tracy, uh, don't let him rib you like that. You need to just leave. Get on the go train and leave. Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. That's Tracy, it. I'm done. It was a joke. I was drunk. I'm sorry. <laughs> don't leave me, baby. Take me back. Uh <laughs> My appearance for this week comes from a 1995 interview that's done on YouTube by Joe Johnson. Um, oh, he happened to see them backstage when they were at the Royal Oak Music Theater in Michigan. Uh, the rest of the band was doing their sound checks, and he got a chance to do the interview with with uh, Steve and Ed during the, during the sound check. It's a really cool, interesting interview from 1995, early years of them. They don't talk about the flag, but they talk about a number of the other songs that they do. 
Um, and it's just kind of fun to watch them in those early years while we're talking about Gordon. Yeah, I'm looking at that interview right now, and Steven's still got his uh, really uh, aggressive goatee. <laughs> Steve, so it. Steven has his 1995 I Maybe You that. Should Drive look going. and it is, Maybe You it Should is, Shave. <laughs> you have to watch the video just to see Steve's hairdo at that time. Oh, it's fantastic, man. I love it. <laughs> oh, I just remembered something that I was meaning to tell you guys oh, like for so long. What's that? Um, it, it, it relates to, so I work, I work at a music venue, and uh, the Bare Naked Ladies played at that music venue uh, a few years ago. And they came out and walked by me, and I was like, ugh, starstruck. Uh, they just walked by me. They didn't even say anything. They just like walked by. Um, but I later found out that one of my buddies that also works there Sold to the band some uh, marijuana. You get the real story here, folks. <laughs> that's crazy. That I'm is sorry. amazing. I, that's that's really crazy, man. That's a crazy story. That's my fun story for the week. <laughs> Tyler, can you plug plug your program? Yeah, Fantastic Mr. Fox Minute. Uh, talking about Fantastic Mr. Fox every week. It's a good time. Check it out. I also want to say, I don't know if you guys are going to put anything in there in this episode but uh if you or anyone you know is dealing with domestic abuse or domestic violence there are resources there are resources out there contact your local women's center contact your local anyone or anything there are people out there that are able to help you even if you're under threat of violence there yeah, are we, resources we've made, we've made a lot of jokes tonight but that isn't a very serious topic. specifically yeah, safe haven so specifically much. safe haven is one of those places that does that um they do have a domestic abuse hotline uh 1-800-621-HOPE 1-800-621-4673 um if you are a family member you can also call uh 1-866-689-HELP which is 4357 um and if you're in any state that you're in, there are places that you can call. There are places you can call that will take you in immediately to get help in order to protect you from the people that are hurting you. If they are hurting you, yes, they are going to apologize. Very, very, very rarely. We are talking less than 1% of the time. Do people change? And the, even though they almost always say they have changed, if you are an abusive relationship please get out of the relationship. They will not yeah, change while change. they're in your relationship. It right. will not happen. Let them change. If they say they've changed, great. They can start a new relationship and, and do something else. But you you don't owe them anything. Please help yourself. Please get the help that you need and take care of yourself. But uh, yeah, thanks for the chuckles, guys. It's been a great time. <laughs> great time. One more plug. I kept telling Blake I'd plug this, and I keep forgetting uh, every week. Um, Aaron and I, on separate separate weeks have been on the mighty ducks d5 the mighty ducks podcast um i was just recently on it for minute 66 to 70 so please go out and listen to that also listen to aaron's which was in the earlier numbers i don't remember the exact numbers off for aaron's uh so i it said was the that part out. where where the, the kids admonish their their coach estevez for telling them trying to get to the Spoilers much. <laughs> if, if you kids haven't seen Mighty Ducks. And speaking of Mighty Ducks, by the way, you know what they, they wanted throughout that whole film? They had dreams. They were Food. ducks that had dreams. They wanted to just I feel like you're succeed. going somewhere with this. You know what? You, ducks, 
when they have dreams, they have flying dreams. Oh, I like that tune. <laughs> and that's what we'll be discussing next week. I have flying dreams sometimes. You didn't need to go to duck for that. <laughs> Everyone flies in their dreams. That's a Kevin that's a Kevin song. Oh, I'm yes. a big Kevin song fan. Now I'm gonna go listen to In Dreams by Roy Orbison. <laughs> also a great Only song. in Dreams by Weezer? Oh, that's a oh, good one too. Ooh. Dreams right. by Beck. Dreamin' by Aerosmith. <laughs> Dream on by, by Tangerine Dream. <laughs> all right. We're going to be here forever going it's, it's through all those. It's real, folks. <laughs> thank you hey, very much. Though, yeah, that was you, fun. Tracy, thank you, Tyler, for coming on. This has been wonderful. <laughs> that was so much fun. Uh, this is a great song. Please seek it out. Check it out. And uh, again, please do, uh, do get some help if you need it. And have more <laughs> chuckles next week. Come back to the laugh, folks. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Have a good night. Have a good night. See you guys. Thanks. That was fun. Oh. Thanks. That was fun. Don't forget. No regrets. Except maybe one. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start Indicators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com. Code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.